We're dinking around with Eddie and Webby. Dinking around with Eddie and Webby tonight. Oh, yeah. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dinking Around with Eddie and Webby. I am Webby, not Eddie. And even though I definitely prefer to do this show with Eddie, unfortunately, our schedules are not jiving once again, so he will not be joining us tonight. But we will be joined by a great guest in just a little bit, so it's still going to be a very fun and informative episode. But before I get started, I need to loosen up a bit with a nice, tasty adult beverage. So I'm going to reveal what I'll be drinking tonight. And tonight, I will be drinking a beer from our good friends at New Belgium Brewing. And this is Juice Force. IPA. And this is a very tasty one. And it is a very strong one coming in at 9.5%. I don't know why I keep drinking these super strong ones when I'm doing this show alone, but here we are. I'm doing it. And uh, this is described as a hazy imperial IPA. So it's a pretty strong one, but it's a very tasty one. And that is what I will be sipping on all evening. So cheers, everybody. Oh, yeah. Very tasty. Very good. But because it's so strong, I will be sipping on it nice and slow so I can get through this episode since I'm all alone. Um, Well, I'm alone for now. We will be joined by a great guest very soon. But before he does, I want to talk a little bit about what's going on in the pickleball world. Last week, the final pro tour events of the year happened for both the PPA and the APP. At the PPA event in Orlando, some notable things that happened were both Annalie Waters and Ben Johns triple crowned once again. And for anybody counting, that is a staggering seventh triple crown for 15-year-old Annalie Waters. So that is quite an amazing accomplishment. And honestly, I don't think another female pro will ever come close to topping that. So that is something to be very proud of. Congratulations, Annalie. Another notable thing that happened at the PPA event was Ryan Sherry ended up defeating Tyson McGuffin to make it to the gold medal match for men's pro singles. Unfortunately, Ben Johns destroyed him in the gold medal match, but it was very cool to see the Share Bear make it that far against some very tough competitors. So I always like seeing Ben Johns take on different people in the finals, so that was a fun one. On the APP side... We had the APP Mesa Open, which saw Simone Jarjim come home with two gold medals in what some are saying might be her final pro tournament ever since she previously announced that the 2022 season would be her final as a competitor. But to be honest, I will be very surprised if she doesn't have a change of heart after having such a great year and come back next year. So I can't imagine there's anybody out there that actually wants Simone to retire. So Simone... If you decide to keep going in 2023, you definitely have my full support, and I will continue cheering for you. And I'm I'm sure she's tuning in right now and will make her decision solely based on my comments right here. So you're welcome, everybody. But uh, also at the APP event, Georgia Johnson and JW Johnson both earned two gold medals apiece as well. So congrats to them and everybody else that competed in both tournaments. But anyways, I think I've spent enough time talking here all by myself. Let's go ahead and have our guest join us. Today's guest is a very talented filmmaker and content creator who made a name for himself in the world of speed cubing. However, after getting bitten by the pickleball bug, he is now using his talents to create high-quality content in the pickleball world. Please welcome to the show, Chris Olson. How's it going, man? When are you going to tell people that I actually just replaced Eddie? Right? Uh, yeah, breaking news right here, everybody. You heard it here first. I was going to wait till the end of the show to tell Eddie he's been replaced, but we'll just get the cat out of the bag right now. So here's my new co-host. <laughs> well, I, I heard, I was looking back through a couple episodes and it looks like he's been absent for a little bit. So it seems like he's just trying to get out. Yeah, it seems that way, doesn't it? But uh, <laughs> And to be honest, like we tried to jive our schedules th- for the rest of the year and I'm not even sure if he's going to be able to join us anymore in 2022. So Chris has taken over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there we go. There we go. <laughs> nice. I love it. But uh, yeah, thanks for joining us here today. First off, like any, for anybody tuning in that isn't familiar with it, what exactly is speed cubing? Yes. So speed cubing is just the act of solving a Rubik's cube as fast as you can. Nice. Are you still involved in the speed cubing world much these days? 
Not very much. Like I'll go to a tournament if there's one locally, but I probably won't travel to one unless I was already going there for something. And then like, I'll, I always have one on me and I'll fidget with it, you know, just it gives my hand something to do, but I haven't competed at a high level in a couple years now. Gotcha. And for anybody unaware, uh, Chris, he actually took part in a documentary that's on Netflix all about speed cubing. And uh, what kind of role did you have in that production that was on Netflix? Yeah, I was the lead cinematographer. And then I was also a producer just because I since I was so involved in the world of speed cubing, I was connected to literally anyone like if they wanted an interview with someone, it was like, I could basically just call them and set it up. So that's kind of how I got the producer title. But my my main thing was camera operating. Gotcha. I got to admit that that was a really good special. I love documentaries and I thought it was very interesting storytelling and I had no idea speed cuming was such a big deal. I mean, it was just it's crazy how into it people are. And I guess I shouldn't say it's crazy cuz I'm oh, yeah. I mean how how much I'm into pickleball. I feel like that's probably how most of the people that are into speed cuming that's how how it is for them too. I mean, you just you find something you're passionate about and you stick with it and there's com- competitive tournaments out there for it. <laughs> Well, you know, what's funny is there's actually a lot of parallels between speed cubing and pickleball, both in terms of the obsession level of people involved in both. And then the communities are very similar. I would say uh, speed cubing, there's not many toxic areas of pickleball, but, you know, if you go on the forums, like you'll see some angry stuff like speed cubing is a little closer on the, the more wholesome side just because the demographic is a lot younger, but there is actually a lot of overlaps. And when I got into pickleball, I was shocked because I didn't think I'd ever find another community that was so similar to speed cubing just because the just the spectrum it falls on is just kind of crazy. So yeah, the the parallels are are very funny. Interesting. So what would you say are are speed cubers more passionate or pickleball players? Who's who's more crazy and passionate with what they're obsessed with? <laughs> Man, that's that's really hard to say because every I mean, pickleball people are pretty darn obsessed. But I remember when I was, you know, uh, probably between ages of 13 to probably like 23, I literally had a Rubik's Cube everywhere I went. And especially in my early teen years, I would practice for like five, eight hours a day. I'd go to the grocery store with my family, had a cube in me. I'd be in the car. Like It didn't matter where I was. I was watching a video, solving the cube or like planning for my next tournament. So it's honestly a very similar level of obsession. You just have way more time to be obsessed with the thing because you're young and don't have any responsibilities in speed cubing. Right. Okay. Interesting. So what would you say is more intense, a speed cubing competition or a pickleball tournament? Definitely pickleball. The the <laughs> uh, intensity level is is hard to match. The thing that's really unique about speed cubing is first you're competing against a lot of your peers i mean you're friends with a lot of people in pickleball but like in the speed cubing world you generally know everyone and if you're at a high level you absolutely know everyone and you're probably friends with them so even though you really want to win if they win you still feel good about it you're like happy for them whereas in a pickleball tournament we all know that guy that is just so angry that that guy person took first they were sandbagging they cheated it was this this and that like you don't really see that in speed cubing. Okay, <laughs> nice. So is there anything from your speed cubing experience that has carried over into the pickleball world for you, like in regards to just when it comes to competing and stuff like that? Is there anything there that kind of carried over that has helped you in the pickleball world in any way? I can't think of anything specific. If anything, I would say it's maybe more hurt me only because, again, in speed cubing, like the person you're competing against, obviously you're doing everything you can to win, but you still, everything still feels very friendly. You're happy for them, whatever. And in pickleball, I found that that same mentality, I have to like try really hard to turn it off. And that feels very foreign and not nice to me. Like I'm on a court. If I, I hate competing against someone I know, I absolutely hate it because I just cannot be that cutthroat to someone like I'm not cheering when they make a mistake. I'm not, you know, just I can't I can't do it. And I've had to the last few tournaments try and figure out ways to get in that zone where I'm like, for the next 30 minutes while we are on this court, I am not your friend. Like, I'm not going to be mean to you, but like I'm here to win. Right. Whereas a lot of times at tournaments, 
I feel bad if I'm targeting someone and then I have to like shake my head and I'm like, dude, <laughs> this isn't rec play. This is a tournament. Like you, <laughs> right. you came to win. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can definitely relate to that. Like, I, I definitely feel bad about the whole targeting thing. It just doesn't feel right to me, but I just got to get in, in that mentality when I'm in a tournament. Like, I'm here to win. I can't worry about yeah. hurting somebody's feelings if I target them and stuff like that. But that was very hard for me to get used to for a while. <laughs> totally. Well, and I, when I see the other guy getting upset because, you know, some either they're mad because they're not the one being targeted or just whatever it is, someone gets upset and then I almost take it personally <laughs> and i think we all generally know the anger isn't focused at the competitor usually but right i kind of internalize it and then i'm like oh like i made this guy mad and then i feel <laughs> bad about it <laughs> now one area that we differ in though is you said you don't like playing against people that you know i'm kind of the opposite i love playing against people i i know and i'm super competitive i feel like i'm almost more competitive against people i know because i want to rub <laughs> it in their face afterwards like see i am a better player than you even though you waste me in rec play all the time I'm better in you than tournaments. <laughs> but. Well, I, you know, I did just have that happen. So uh, I have two other siblings and we all, we all play pickleball. We're all about the same uh, rating level and we are playing a tournament at lifetime and me and my brother just below me always partner together. And then our youngest brother usually partners with one of our friends. And he was talking so much trash before this tournament. He's like, I'm going to smoke you guys. I'm going to beat you in mixed. I'm going to beat you in men's, all this stuff in men's. They were up. We came back, beat him. I was like, I told you you weren't going to be me. And then in mixed, smoked him. So I was like, <laughs> that one felt good. Because anytime I can put my younger brother in his place, that feels good. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Now, maybe it's just the way the documentaries I've seen were edited, but it seems like speed cubing events actually draw a bigger crowd than pickleball events. Would you say that's accurate? Or was it maybe just the way that the, the ones I watched were edited to make it seem like the speed cubing events had more spectators? It depends on the tournament. So if you go to a, a local speed cubing competition, it's probably fairly similar to a local pickleball tournament. Maybe there's more spectators because there's uh, or like a little bit more spectators because there's more parents and whatnot uh, watching their kids for the big uh, like world championships and nationals. I would say there's a lot more people watching at Rubik's Cube Nationals than there are at pickleball. Like if I had to guess in the audience at any given time at an APP or PPA tournament for like a gold medal match, maybe a couple hundred at a Rubik's Cube World Championships. You're probably talking about thousands. Wow. Interesting. Yeah, it, it's a very interesting difference in that. And another thing I've found very fascinating is pickleball is the fastest growing sport in America. But like speed cubing, if you look at all the YouTube channels, some of the guys I've been friends with you know, 1.3 million subscribers, 500,000 subscribers, 200, you know, like the, the audiences are massive for speed cubing. And then I look at pickleball channels and the biggest we have is maybe 110 K. And then after that, it drops down to 50. And, yeah. you know, like my, my former speed cubing channel is almost bigger than the biggest pickleball channel that we have. So it's very weird how big this sport is, but the YouTube or social side is still very small. Yeah, I totally agree. But I I was very surprised and blown away when I was doing some research research on uh, speed cubing. The fact that so many videos on speed cubing have thousands and thousands of views. But yeah, a lot of the pickleball tournaments, even some of the best ones, don't even come close to the amount of views that it has. So that definitely surprised me how large the speed cubing audience really is. Yeah, it, it's. I was actually just going through some channels the other day, just out of curiosity. I was like, I wonder how much things have changed in the last couple of years and I'm looking at some of these videos and I'm like 300,000 views, 500,000 views, 800,000 views, like just on it. These are like unboxings. And I'm like, <laughs> imagine me unboxing any pickleball paddle and getting even 10,000 views would be insane, let alone 500,000 views. I just can't even imagine. Right. It. Yeah. So when did you first get involved in pickleball and what made you decide to start focusing your content creating efforts on pickleball? Yeah, so um, I got into pickleball about a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit more. It was April-ish of 2021. Uh, I just had a friend that said, hey, you should come try play pickleball. I know you used to play tennis. You'll probably like it. I showed up and I was like, oh, man, this is going to be so easy. I was <laughs> like, my friend had no racket sport background. I was like, I'm going to absolutely just cream you. It was like 0-11, 2-11, 3-11. And I just the whole time I went... How am I getting beat? Like I should not be losing to someone who's like basically never held a racket. <laughs> and uh, after that, I just immediately was hooked. I was like, okay, I have to be able to beat you. 
And after that, I just, you know, I found the local community, thought it was amazing. And then it's funny, the content side of things, I told my wife and several of my friends, I said, pickleball is only going to be a hobby. I do not want this to be a job. I will never mix video production and pickleball. I said, it's never going to happen. I don't want to get burnt out. And then maybe two months into pickleball, I was helping a local brand in Minnesota make some videos. And then I made my own YouTube video and I was like, oh, wait, that actually got a lot of views. Like maybe I should consider doing more of this. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. When Eddie and I started dabbling in pickleball content five years ago, there really wasn't much available on YouTube. And I could actually count on one hand the amount of podcasts that were available about pickleball. And that was including our podcast. But now fast forward to the year 2022, seems like everybody has a pickleball YouTube channel and a podcast. And to be honest, when I first came across your YouTube channel, The Pickleball Studio, before I even watched any of your videos, I thought to myself, here we go again, yet another low quality pickleball channel from somebody trying to cash in on the pickleball craze. But once I watched some of your videos, I was very pleasantly surprised and impressed with how awesome your content was because you have very high production quality and amazing content quality. So I want to thank you for that because having both high production quality and good quality content, that is still a rarity in the world of pickleball. So I love what you're doing for for pickleball on YouTube and with your podcast and stuff like that. Yeah, I appreciate it. It was, I mean, even for me, that was kind of the reason why I felt like it. I had a maybe easier time jumping into it as just as I was consuming pickleball content for me to learn more about the game and get better. I was just looking around going, why is everything so low quality? It felt the comparison I gave a lot of people in speed cubing was it felt like what speed cubing was in 2010, where there's a lot of cell phones. Uh, just it felt very, I guess, just old and the, the quality wasn't, you know, as you said, it just wasn't very high. So that made it feel a little easier to jump in. I didn't feel like I was jumping through a lot of hurdles to just try and make a name for myself. The first, I think the first video I did, I gained like a thousand subscribers in like maybe a week or two. And that was kind of the light of, holy cow, okay, that was really fast to gain a thousand subscribers and have no one have a clue who I am or have a reason to care who I was. Yeah, something like your your content, what I like about it is just immediately, it just looks super high quality. You can tell that you have good equipment, you have good audio, and then the content you have, I feel like you really dive in a lot more than most people do. So I, if anybody out there tuning in has not checked out Pickleball Studio, do yourselves a favor because it is some of the highest quality of pickleball content you'll find out there. And it's crazy that you've only been in the sport for a year and a half. And I feel like you're already taking off more than most of the channels that have been around for a while just because, and deservedly so too, because your, your content is so high quality. So I definitely... Uh, recommend everybody checking it out. I, your paddle reviews, I see that everybody loves your paddle reviews. I do too, because they are very, very in-depth. We would definitely try. The The paddle reviews are definitely the the bread and butter, but man, sometimes they are... Uh, I, I remember when I got into it, That that's really what I wanted to start in, because I was, you know, I wanted to buy paddles, or I just wanted to know more about them, and I'd watch a review, and I would just go, you didn't tell me anything, or at least anything that I felt... I could take away and apply it. It was just all these terms like, oh, it's got good feel. It's got good touch. It's got good power and good spin. And spin really bugged me because I just thought, what are you basing this off of? Like you're obviously you can kind of tell when you hit a paddle, like, yeah, I'm getting a little bit more spin. But still, I just thought you don't really know for sure. And so I just yeah, I my whole thing has kind of been if I'm going to do a review, it has to be very thorough and sometimes that's to my own detriment like i i'd like to pump out content even faster but i just feel like if i'm not thorough with the paddle review then i'm almost doing like a disservice or not telling the full truth so it's it's a tough balance yeah i i can definitely appreciate that for sure and i heard you talk about something on one of your podcast episodes recently that eddie and i can definitely relate to quite a bit and that is when you said something about how you've turned down most if not all of the sponsorship offers that you've been given lately so you can maintain an honest and yeah. unbiased reviews and stuff like that and we've actually had some pretty good offers as well that we've turned down maybe maybe some that we were stupid to turn down but i do find it very important to be totally honest when it comes to doing product reviews and only promoting products that we truly believe in as opposed to stuff we're getting paid to do and just be honest if we don't like something be brutally honest about it i think that's very important with the reviews no, I I completely agree. And sometimes it is really hard for me because I'm getting to the point now where 
you know, I'm really I'm trying to make the pickleball studio like a brand and a business. And I think in 2023, I'm probably going to have Will help me with a lot more stuff and and bring him on board to help. What's difficult is as I look at it, I'm like, okay, if I'm going to bring someone on and pay them what I feel like they're worth, the brand really has to start bringing in more money to support myself right. and my family <laughs> as well as another person. And so it makes it so much harder when you're looking at these offers and you're like, I just, I really wish I could take this because the money would be great. But my, at the end of the day, the biggest thing for me is like, has to be honest and it has to feel good. Like I really genuinely have to believe and use that thing to do it. Like there's been a couple uh, brand offers that are like right on the, a gray line for me where I'm like, I don't love this thing, but I don't hate it. And I still have to turn it down. And I'm like, oh yeah. man, I wish I was just more okay with <laughs> not caring. Right. Yeah, it's tough. That kind of stuff definitely is tough. And uh, But to be honest, on the opposite side of things, it kind of makes me laugh when pro players constantly change paddle sponsors. Because, I mean, I totally get it's a business decision, but how can you fully trust somebody when they say they absolutely love a certain paddle, but then they leave that company as soon as their sponsorship ends and somebody offers like more money? I mean, it's just... It just makes me laugh every time I see a sponsor or every time I see a pro player say, oh, this is my new sponsor. Then a year later, oh, this is my new sponsor. This is the best paddle ever. Yeah. <laughs> I I mean, I don't want to, you know, like rag or discredit any pros, but I can tell you guys right now, basing your paddle choice off of purely what a pro says is almost entirely useless. I've like I've played with enough pros. I've hung out with enough pros and just been in conversations where it's like. I'm not going to say all of them because that's not true, right. but there are a lot of them where the money always talks and they will use almost whatever paddle if the money's right enough. There there are lines, right? Like they're not going to use a wooden paddle for probably a hundred grand. I'd be willing to bet most pros wouldn't do that. But I know a lot of pros where the money is the very absolute speaking factor. And right. if the paddle's great after that, that's a bonus. Yeah. And let's get real. There's video evidence out there Pro players like Ben Johns and Kyle Yates, they can beat people with a slipper. So they can they can win with pretty much any paddle they want. So let's get real about that. The paddle right. the paddle isn't what's making them so good. <laughs> and I've had people tell me, like, anytime Eddie and I do a review or channels like you, like, anytime amateurs talk about a paddle and how much they like it, they feel like that's more valuable. And I couldn't agree more. Like, us amateurs, if there's a paddle that makes us play better, that's the paddle you want to get. <laughs> yep. Totally. And it's funny you say that. So I would say amateurs, well, for sure, amateurs is where you want to get most of the advice from. As soon as someone's sponsored or whatever, it's very hard to take the opinion seriously because obviously, you know, they're only going to push the product they're sponsored by. But what's also funny on the flip side of amateurs is I love when someone says they make a thread and they say, what's the best paddle? <laughs> or they say, like on a forum post, I want power and spin. Give me a list of paddles that do this and everyone no matter what they just say what paddle they use yep. it'll be i'll just use one example they could say i want power and spin and someone will go use a gearbox and i'm like dude it's like a pillow it doesn't <laughs> it doesn't mean any it's just it's funny how people are just so attached to the paddle they use and they're like it has to be the right one for everyone yep yeah it makes me laugh too because I, I see the exact same people comment every single time and then what really makes me laugh is when people like they aren't even pro players, but they work for a company and then they change companies and then all of a sudden they're pushing this other paddle <laughs> for the new company yeah, they they yeah, are yeah. sponsored by. <laughs> that's right. That's right. What, what what paddle are you using right now? Uh, so I recently started using one from Revlin Sports. That's a, a local company here in Michigan. They're based out of Holland, Michigan. Yeah. And uh, it's the yep. Revo Pure Control. I've been really liking that a lot. Uh, before that, I was using Paddle Tech, which is also another Michigan one. I'm I'm kind of like a, a local, a big proponent of supporting local companies. So uh, Paddle Tech is based in Michigan. Totally. So I've been using Paddle Tech for a long time. I still love Paddle Tech paddles. The Tempest Rain Pro from Paddle Tech is the one that I was really liking a lot for the past couple of years. Pretty much ever since that one came out, yep. that's that was my go-to paddle. Uh, but then I tried the Revo Pure Control. I've been really liking that one. So that's the one I'm currently using and really liking it a lot. I'll put myself to the test this weekend. I've got my first really high quality tournament that I'm doing this coming up weekend. So we'll see how I do. And uh, if I do bad, I'll blame the paddle. No, I'm just totally kidding. Totally kidding. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny you say Revlin because literally just last night, so my wife plays with a gearbox and I always tease her. And just for people to know, like 
I really, I don't hate Gearbox or anything. Their paddles just aren't for me. Like, I think they are a great company. They make some obviously amazing paddles, but I, they're just not for me. Anyways, my wife uses a Gearbox paddle, so I always tease her. I'm like, dude, it, anything else, please, anything else. <laughs> so last night she was like, okay, just give me some paddles that you think have better power. Like that's basically, I just need some more power. So I gave her three paddles. Uh, one was a placebo just to see what she thought. It was the Yola radius because that paddle soft. I wanted to see if she'd figure it out. Then it was like a Hyperion Swift and then the Revlon Revo Pure Control. I was just curious what she would think. And yeah. she loved the the Pure Control. She was like, I'm just going to use this now. Oh, nice. Yeah, a lot of people here in Michigan are loving that paddle. I mean, I've, I feel like the fact that it's a local company helps, but a lot of people swear by yeah. that paddle, and I've, I'm really liking it a lot. It's definitely... It, it's good for my style of play. And that's the kind of thing, like I always tell people, like there's really no set paddle that's best for everybody. It's really all about what feels best to you individually because what I like is way different than other people. Some people swear by gearbox paddles, but as you said, that's not your thing because their paddles are very unique compared to most other paddles. So not for everybody, but some people love totally. it. Yeah, it's it's so, so subjective as to what people are like. I think there is a baseline of what's good and what's bad, but then outside of those really defining lines, it gets really fuzzy. Yeah. And when I first started playing, I was adamant that I was not going to give up my wooden paddle because I was awesome with my wooden paddle, <laughs> the, the one, that, the one that I first started with. But then after like people just kept kept hassling and hassling and hassling me, they're like, "You got to get rid of that wooden paddle here. Try this one." So finally, I gave in, tried somebody's paddle. I think it was the Onyx Z5. And uh, I was like, okay, yeah, this is way better than this wooden paddle I've been using. So then, then the wooden paddle, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. So the Onyx Z5, I feel what, like, what is rough? I feel like the Onyx Z5 is a lot of people's first like good paddle, like good pro paddle. Um, and then, of course, I tried a paddle tech paddle, and I was like, oh, wait a second, I like this way better than the Onyx Z5. So it's just, yeah, I just I went through the the typical uh, evolution of paddles as I went, but yeah, for a long time I was. I was very adamant I was not going to give up my wooden paddle. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We I think we all start there. We're like, ah, oh, it doesn't matter at all. And yeah. that, that's what always makes me chuckle is people will say the paddle doesn't matter at all. And I'm like, okay, I get the argument you're trying to say. It's not like spending $300 versus $200 is probably going to be that big of a leap for your game. But I can tell you right now, going from a, a wooden paddle to a, just a decent polymer paddle that's like over $100 is a world of difference. I'm not saying you're going to go from 3 out to 4 or something, but the game is just more enjoyable and you feel more confident. Like if it truly didn't matter, we'd all use wooden paddles. <laughs> right, exactly. But yeah, after after a while the uh, the wooden one it was kind of like starting to chip away a little bit and it was heavy, so my wrist was sore all the time when I stopped using the wooden paddle, my wrist pain went away. I was way more accurate. Yep. It didn't have those weird bounces sometimes if it hit the part of the paddle where the chip was. <laughs> so I mean, yeah. Oh, yes, I know. I look back. I remember I just I thought I was like really solid, went to my first tournament and just got smoked and I was like, "Wow, I have so much to learn." <laughs> right? Oh, and there's nothing more humbling than playing against an 89-year-old and getting your ass handed to you. Like, that's just like, when that happens, it's like, it almost made me, like, reevaluate my whole entire life. <laughs> my, the first time that ever happened to me, I had, it was that tournament I got my butt kicked at. We drove back from Iowa, and I said, I want to play more pickleball. Like, I just, I need to get more after that. And so we showed up at these courts, and there were these two older ladies, probably in their 60s, or so and I told my brother I said dude you just got to go easy like don't no kill shots like just play nice like I'm sure it'll be an easy game we just got demolished and I it was like the biggest wake up call slap in the face of holy cow like you cannot underestimate anyone right? on this court yeah yeah that's one of the many reasons why I love pickleball so much it's it really is a great equalizer just anybody that's just somewhat athletic doesn't matter their age their sex their gender anything it's just you you never know what you're going to come across on the on the uh, on the court. I've I learned that a long time ago. Never judge a book by its cover when it comes to pickleball. <laughs> no, never. I also had a, one of our uh, I think it was my maybe third tournament. I saw these guys warming up that we were going to play and I looked at my brother and said, "Dude, look at these guys. Like they have no idea how to dink." <laughs> and then they clearly they were screwing around cuz when we played them, I think we lost like 2-11 or something. It was out it was horrible. I've always been tempted to uh, to use a strategy at a tournament where, like, when I do warm ups, just like do everything absolutely horrible and make the opponent think, "Oh man, this guy sucks so bad." And then once we start playing, then just give it all I've got. And 
I feel like I could get like at least three points, like catch them off guard and get a few points before they realize I was just faking. <laughs> I swear that's what these guys did to me. That's literally what it felt like they did. Yeah. <laughs> well, I I am ninety nine percent sure a team did that to me and my opponent when uh, when I was pretty new to pickleball. One, it was probably like maybe my fourth tournament I ever did, and that exact thing happened. We did a couple practice points against this other team. And we just destroy them. They're making like the worst mistakes ever. And we were like, oh, man, this is going to be a nice, good, easy win for us. And then they absolutely annihilated us. And I was just so humiliated. And from that point on, I was like, oh, man, I can't trust anybody. I can't trust anybody before the game no, starts. No. <laughs> <laughs> if they're not lying to you in warm up, they're sandbagging. It's always one of the yeah, one of the other. <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. So I'd like to learn a little bit about your uh, your film and video production background, if you don't mind. Uh, when did you get started doing that, and what are some of the most notable projects you've worked on so far? Yeah, so uh, I got into video basically around the time I got into speed cubing because the big thing was you know everyone had a YouTube channel, and then because I was becoming one of the best in the world at it, everyone was always asking, "Well, how did you get faster? Like, make videos about." how you did this scramble and just like, you know, help other people get better. So I started a YouTube channel and then, you know, it was kind of a casual thing, bad cameras, whatever. Eventually I just had fun taking pictures with an iPhone. I was like, wow, this thing takes really good pictures. This is kind of fun. Mom gave me her DSLR, could only do pictures, got really into photography, slowly transitioned into video. And then I just, I found video way more fun. And then I just carried that through speed cubing. A lot of my uh, big video production for a while was within speed cubing. And then I, you know, branched out of that into some corporate stuff and whatever. Uh, but the biggest, most notable project I've done was that project, the speed cubers on Netflix. Before that, I did my own documentary called why we cube. It's actually on YouTube. Um, and that's what landed me that documentary. Uh, why we cube had won an award uh, at a film festival in Montana. So there was that. But other than that, I never really went the traditional route of filmmaking. So most of my background is just freelance filmmaking. So I shot, I mean, I've made a video in almost every genre you can probably think of. I've done music videos. I've done corporate videos, weddings, event videos, commercials. Uh, commercials and events were probably my favorite thing to film, uh, especially commercials. Those I just felt like, especially if it was a kind of like a product, like a paddle, you could always just do something kind of fun with it or find unique ways to show it off. But I didn't do a lot of the, you know, I guess what you would call a traditional filmmaker making like a movie or a, a scripted film, though. That's the only thing I have thought that wouldn't be fun. That's pretty much the only thing I don't think I would enjoy filming. Oh, OK, interesting. Why? Why do you think that is? You know, I don't I think there were a number of reasons and some of those reasons I've outgrown. There was a part of me for a long time that didn't enjoy working with people. I just thought I know what I want to do and other people kind of just get in the way or the the other input feels like it slows me down. Now I'm kind of over that. Once I did some stuff with the Netflix crew, I was like, oh, it's actually kind of nice having someone who does this job so you don't have to do it anymore. Right. Like the guy that just goes and gets your batteries or your lens. I was like, wow, this guy's like my best friend. I love this guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> so stuff like that. Uh, and then Otherwise, I don't know. It just feels not as creative, I guess. Like, it is a very creative thing, but if you're the camera guy, you come up, you figure out how you're going to shoot the shot after they've given you kind of the set, and that's about it. I don't, I don't, I can't, I don't really have a good reason. I just don't like it. <laughs> okay. Honestly, I, I, can, yeah. I can relate to a lot of what you said. I have a video production background. I did event videos and stuff like that. And I am the same exact way. Like I like to do uh, more of the produced, like planned out produced things, but mainly things that I do by myself. So I've done like a couple like mini documentaries, nothing like nearly as good as like what you've done with the speed cubing and stuff like that. But I've dabbled in just like some mini documentaries for fun, done some spoof music videos and stuff like that. But I'm the same way. Like I, I kind of prefer to do that all on my own. Like I'll set the camera up by myself. I'll get the monitor to where I can view it and stuff like that. I just, yeah, I, I don't trust a lot of other people because I've had, I've been burned before where I relied on somebody else and they didn't get anything near what I wanted them to do. And I was like, oh man, I should have just done this whole thing by myself. So I can definitely relate to that for sure. I have definitely been in that situation. And I think I just eventually realized like, oh, you just got to find the people that you you trust to do these things. 
and you know that can, it can be hard to find those people but once you do it's like oh you know what i actually don't want to do that thing anymore <laughs> if someone could like do the audio and i don't have to care about it that's great it's one less thing on my brain yeah. to be worried about but yeah if you ask eddie i literally i've had at least a hundred different creative pickleball video ideas that i've wanted to do over the years but i never actually did and i've got them all jotted down so i've got probably a couple of years worth. If I ever just, if I ever wanted to quit my day job and focus on pickleball stuff, I could easily keep myself busy for two years just based on all the ideas I have. But all these ideas are so grand, they would definitely require a crew to help me with. I couldn't do it all on my own. If I did it on my own, it would take so, so long. But maybe one of these days I'll be able to do all that stuff. But one thing kind of funny, I got to tell you, uh, it happened over the summer that was kind of funny. I was at a PPA tournament and I actually got excited because I thought I saw you there across the way. But then I got very disappointed because when I got close, I realized it was just Ben Johns because you guys, you guys actually <laughs> resemble each other a bit. I think you've talked about that on your podcast or some other videos before. But yeah, like I seriously, I thought I was like, oh, man, is that is that Chris Olsen over there? And then I walked up to him and I'm like, oh, it's just Ben Johns. Come on. <laughs> it is an alarming number of people that really think I look like Ben. So the first time I got this, I was at a local tournament and a guy came up to me. and He's like, has anyone ever told you you look like Ben Johns? And I was like. <laughs> I, I kind of just laughed. I was like, that's ridiculous. Like no one, no one thinks that. I went to another tournament and several people were saying, and I was like, okay, this is, that's uh, kind of weird now. Then I went to my first legit tournament. I went to an APP tournament and I was getting out of a car and then someone saw me from across the way or whatever. They came up behind me and my friend was kind of like, hey dude, there's someone behind you. They clearly want something. So I turned around and they were like, hey, can I have your autograph? And I was like, what? what do you want my autograph for? And they were like, oh, well, you're Ben Johns. And I was like, what? I like, that was, that's when it finally clicked. And I was like, people legitimately believe this because that whole tournament, I got it from all sorts of people. Uh, Porter Barr, his mom, Susanna Barr, the pro, he had told me, yeah, my mom from a distance also thought you were Ben. And at that point I was just like, oh my, I don't know what is going on anymore. But even to this day, I'll, I'll be at a lifetime and someone will just be like, you really look like Ben Johns. And I'm like, man, what part, what part is it? So I, I've joked, I want to make a video or like a reel where I just buy one of his outfits, you know, whatever, something he's wearing at a tournament Buy the same exact thing, arm sleeves, the leggings, whole nine yards hat. And then I think people would really have a hard time differentiating us because if you can confuse it in my outfit, like if I just wore what he wore, it'd probably be crazy. Oh yeah. Oh man, you got to do it. That would be so funny. And you got to wear the Dixie cup outfit. I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but uh, Ben wears sometimes pink shorts and the shirt that looks just like a Dixie cup. And I feel, I feel like that would be the one right there. Cause I've, I don't think I've ever seen anybody else wear that. And we actually gave him a hard time when he was on one of our podcasts in the past about that. And he didn't even know what a Dixie cup was. I think he's too young to, to know what Dixie cups are or something, but I swear just pink shorts, That's Dixie funny. cup shirt. You'll be golden people. Everybody will think you're Ben. <laughs> you know what I should do? I should go to an APP. Well, probably a PPA because people know that uh, Ben only plays PPAs wear that outfit and just walk around with a mic on me and have my son, like will film me from afar and just see how yeah. many people stop me yeah and go hey Ben, wait 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 like just see if it happens i think that would be so funny oh man you gotta do it that would be so great <laughs> so if i understand correctly aren't you actually currently working on a pickleball documentary of some sort yes uh working on one of zane right now uh zane slash mlp the idea started with zane and then uh, a lot of interesting things happened at MLP that I was like, hmm, I could probably add this into the story. So that's being edited right now. I had to pause it for December just because there was so much YouTube content I wanted to get through that the rough plan right now is that once December's through and hopefully I've finished a lot of content, January, I'm going to pause a lot of stuff and just try and finish that documentary. So I'm still kind of figuring out what the whole narrative is going to be but i'm kind of excited for it it's uh, documentaries are probably the thing in video production that i started to enjoy the most and i think telling a pickleball player's story is a, a just a fun thing to have in pickleball especially someone like zane he's such a good guy oh for sure yeah i, I can't wait for that to come out i love documentaries and there are so many characters in pickleball just, just in the pro world alone there's so many characters that would be interesting so to learn more about them and and I did like a, like a mini documentary kind of thing this past summer. I 
it was just like a, a spur of the moment thing at the Beer City Open. I came up with the idea to follow somebody known as Crazy Kathy. I don't know if you're familiar with her, but she's like a, a super fan in the pickleball world. Boy, I think I do. <laughs> is she the one that always holds the signs? Yeah, yep, that's her. Yeah, I saw her at MLP. I was like, holy cow, this this person's wild. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so she was at, at Beer City Open, and I was trying to come up with something different because every year at the Beer City Open, Eddie and I go there, and we spend the whole entire week there. And every year, I try to think of like something different to work on as far as a video project. And I didn't know what I wanted to do this year. And I saw Crazy Kathy, and I was like, you know what? I should just follow her around throughout this week, get some footage of her, and then at the end of the week, have her talk to the camera. I'll record some of the pros talking about her because I know pretty much all the pros know her. And if I can't imagine if I would have like planned this out ahead of time, how good it could have turned out, but I was still pretty happy with how it turned out. Cause I came up with the idea like midway through the beer city open. And then I just followed her around and put, put together like a little 10 minute mini documentary about her and stuff like that. And it was super fun. And I think I would definitely like working on documentary style projects. Cause that was super fun. And just a last minute thing that I kind of slapped together. But if I like really plan something out and really worked hard on it and get some better equipment and like film style cameras and stuff like that. I think, I think I could help put something together pretty, pretty good for the pickleball world too. <laughs> well, and it would be so good because what I talk about with Will a lot is pro pickleball will become, people will become highly, way more invested once stories are being told and people actually have a reason to care about these people other than Oh, well, yeah, I like Tyson McGuffin because he's he's good at pickleball, right? Like you want you want to hear the stories and like either hear what they're sacrificing or hear what they've gone through. Like what makes this person who they are and why should I care? Someone like Zane Tyson, there's some other people, they kind of put themselves out there so much that people have like a reason to root for them. Like Zane is just such a good down to earth guy. It's hard not to root for him once you've met him. And I think if you can learn that through a documentary or some other video, even if it's five to 10 minutes, it would do these players like such a giant favor. Oh, for sure. I agree 100%. And I, yeah, you, I feel like you hit the nail on the head. Like we need to care about these pros. Like that would definitely get people more interested in tuning into the, into the con or into the tournaments and stuff like that. Cause I do feel like that's one thing that pickleball is sorely lacking in right now is viewership, especially when it comes to the, the tournaments and the gold medal matches and stuff like that. Now, it doesn't help that there's a tournament every single weekend and sometimes two pro tournaments in the same weekend. <laughs> I feel like it's very oversaturated. But yeah, give us some story, like give us some background information about these players, make people care about them. And I think viewership will go way up. And that's actually something I want to ask you about. Like, what, what do you think other than that? Like, what do you think needs to happen to make pickleball a spectator sport? Because right now, I feel like it just is not uh, a spectator sport and I, I'm not so sure I see that really changing too much yeah I think a couple things would help one still dialing in I guess the camera angles and all of that because I think a big thing with pickleball right now and I remember thinking this the first time I remember the exact first pro pickleball match I watched it was Ben Johns versus Tyson McGuffin U.S. Open singles and I just remember going why on earth are they dinking the ball like well, I thought I expected them to just be blasting it it would be the craziest hands battles I've ever seen or something and I was just shocked at how slow they were hitting the ball and part of the problem is the way pickleball is captured right now is everything just looks so much easier than it is it's the same reason people watch a video online of like four or five pickleball and they go these guys wouldn't be four or five in my state that's a three five all day long like you see it in every single video and it, part of that is because Pickleball just looks so slow on video, and I don't think we found the right ways to capture it. I think the PPA is actually doing a very good job. Like the, It's kind of controversial. Some people like it, some people don't. But the jib that they have moving, I actually think it does a very good job at showing some of the pace and speed that the ball is moving at and helps you get a better sense of kind of like you're there and the speed. But that's a big one. I think stories is going to be huge. Uh, and then less tournaments, honestly, we, we need an off season and we need a lot less tournaments Yes. because I think if you have, if, let's say we had a three month break or two month, whatever, however long you want to choose, people will be craving it. They want, they will want to watch it if it doesn't exist right now. There's so much that I think people just go, well, if I miss this one, I can watch Ben win next week. <laughs> yep. Right. Like there's no reason to care. Yeah. 
Yeah, and Eddie and I were just talking about that the previous episode about the how there's not really much of a down season. I absolutely think there needs to be a down season, like at least a few months where there's not tournaments every single weekend because, yeah, like why should people care if there's a tournament every single weekend? They're, they're just not going to. Like when Eddie and I first got into it, there was hardly any top-notch pro pickleball on there, like really nationals. And the U.S. Open were like the only times of year that really good, high-quality pro pickleball happened. So when there started to become more events, they all got really good viewership at the beginning because people were like, oh, man, this is like top-notch stuff I don't normally get to see. But this past year, there was just so much of it. It, it just it We got fatigued, viewer fatigue. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we really need – I mean, we've, we're all craving it. But it would be so great if there was just more unification within the leagues because – I just think with however many tournaments PPA has next year, APP, six MLP events, US Open, uh, Nationals, like you've got just all these tournaments. It's like, even for myself, I like, you know, for the most part, I like watching pickleball, but a lot, there are a lot of weekends I don't tune in because I'm just like, well, I'll catch it next week. Or even some of the gold medal matches, like I try and watch the Ben and Riley ones because, you know, usually it's some pretty good pickleball, but I also just go, it's the same two guys every time. Like what I would like to see is less tournaments and now it matters more who's going to win that. Like if you had yep. every single pro in one pool, you'd see more shakeups. I think it'd be more interesting. I don't know. I would just please have less. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree. And I can easily come up with the two most entertaining tournaments of the past year and a half. Uh, or I guess you don't, maybe it's not considered a tournament, but the two best pro pickleball events were first, Major League Pickleball, the first one, because everybody was part of it. That was just the coolest. To date, the first Major League Pickleball event, I think, was the best event that's ever happened in pro pickleball. Second would be this most recent Nationals, because there was a good mixture of PPA and APP players. And uh, other than those two, the rest of them, I mean, they were still great. I love watching pro pickleball, still great tournaments, still high-quality stuff. But like you said, without all the best players in the same place, it just doesn't mean as much no it it just doesn't mean nearly as much and everyone's always wondering like oh well how would this matchup go against this person like app versus ppa like we all want to see it like we're all craving it so i just i hope one day it happens where things kind of merge like i don't want to see any leagues like lose quote unquote where they don't really exist anymore but if we could have everyone mostly under one umbrella that'd be great yeah i totally agree because Eddie and I have been big supporters of both the PPA and the APP since they both started. We th- we saw positives in both. Um, I definitely hated seeing such division and cutthroat trying to <laughs> attack each other and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But yeah, if they could somehow do something, even like you said, APP versus PPA, like if there was like one event every year where it was PPA versus APP or something like that, like how oh. how awesome would that be? It would blow up, especially if you advertised it that way. I mean, they're never going to do it, but at least I think they'll probably never do it. Right. But it would, people would be pumped about that event. Yeah. It'd be so cool. And it would, and PPA always talks about how the APP is kind of like the, like the little brother league or something like that, or like they're like the the feeder league. Like if you get good enough in APP, maybe you can come to PPA. Like they've posted stuff like that before, but I feel like that could give a chance for the APP folks to be like, no, we're just as good as you, bro. Yeah, I mean, really, I think it's so funny when, you know, the PPA or anyone really says that because they're always like, oh, PPA, it's the best players. Yes, you do have like, obviously, you've got, when you look at the men's teams, it's like, yeah, they're there. And then Anna Lee and obviously whatnot. But look at nationals. Like, we had a lot of APP people. Like, you had JW and Deckel versus Ben and Colin in the final. It wasn't just another PPA run. Paris Todd from what I, under, if I recall correctly, was basically the only person to beat Anna Lee this year. And so it's just, I don't know. Obviously, all the PPA players, they're great. But I think if you merged everything, there are a lot of PPA players at the top right now that would move down some ranks with the APP players existing. Yeah, totally agree. Hopefully, we can see stuff like that happen. That would be epic. Uh, I tend to agree with you that it probably won't happen, but we can hope. And you never know, like the the pickleball landscape is just constantly changing. Who would have known that MLP and PPA would be joining forces like they are now? I I definitely didn't see that coming. Um, 
I had to do like a triple take when I saw the Instagram post. <laughs> right. I was like, wait a minute. What? I was like, is it April Fool's Day? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I could not believe that. Uh, I'm excited about it. I feel a little bad for APP because I feel like they might be struggling a bit this coming year, but who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, I think there's enough diehard APP followers that are kind of anti-PPA that there it might still be a really good thing. I don't know. It's 2023 is definitely shaping up to be a very interesting year for pro pickleball. That's for sure. Oh, it's going to be, I don't know. It's going to be wild this year. I feel, I feel like it would be possible that by the end of 2023, like the AP, well, okay. They'll make it through 2023, but I feel like depending on how cards are played this year, it could be the end form. And I don't want that because you know, Ken Herman's awesome. Like I, oh, yeah. I loved interacting with him or whatnot, but I just think that MLP PPA merger was really, really beneficial. And I think that's going to elevate a lot of the pro area a lot and steal people over there more. So I don't know. Still feels like the general sentiment is that for the amateurs, you'd rather go to an APP than a PPA, but I haven't been to enough PPAs to know for sure how I feel about that. Yeah, I've never personally competed in a PPA event. I've attended I attended one earlier this year and spectated and it was awesome. Um but from what I hear from a lot of amateurs that have uh, uh, competed in both of them, APP hands down for, based on the people I've talked to, hands down is the better experience as far as how the amateurs are treated. Um but I know PPA really focuses on the pro experience, so I feel like you just got to go into it yeah. knowing that there it's going to be a different experience. If you want a really good amateur experience, it seems like APP is the place to be. If you want to be able to watch really high-quality pro pickleball action and have a really cool-looking center court, PPA is the place. But, yeah, there's there's pros and cons to both. And, uh, yeah, we'll see yeah. we'll see how it goes. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for 2023. It's going to be a wild year of pickleball. It's been, I mean, like you said, the landscape is changing so much. I joke about this with people all the time. I'm like, you can't even set a huge like roadmap for a year like if you're a content creator or just even a business in pickleball you can't set one roadmap because things shift so fast that all of a yeah. sudden you're like wait what i thought was important is no longer important <laughs> right. and now i should be over here instead yeah <laughs> yeah and another funny thing about that is when eddie and i finally when our schedules do jive i feel like for a while there it was only jiving like once every month or once every other month for us to do a podcast so like we would like something crazy would happen. We'd be like, oh man, we got to talk about this on the next podcast. But then three weeks would go by before we do that next podcast. And that's such old news. It's not even relevant anymore. So we got to a point where we're like, okay, before we do a podcast, let's just check the pickleball news two days beforehand. And then we'll talk about what's going on at that point. Because yeah, something that happened a few weeks ago, it's such old news. I mean, people, I feel like people already forgot about the whole Catherine Parento and Elise Jones uh, par oh, yeah. partner gate scandal. That's, that's old news. Nobody even remembers anymore. <laughs> This literally just happened because so when I went to nationals, I had released a podcast episode with Will like when I got there and then after nationals, I got sick and then Thanksgiving and then he was gone. So it was the longest gap we've had without a podcast. And I kept writing down things like, oh, we got to talk about this. We got to talk about this, 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 this. And I'm like, by the time we got to recording the episode, I was like, this isn't even relevant anymore. <laughs> yeah. Like the Catherine stuff was huge news. Everyone was talking about it. By the time we got to our episode, I was like, dude, we can maybe mention this happened or something, but I don't even want to give our thoughts on it because people are sick of it right. at this point. No one wants yep. to hear any more about it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like just two and a half weeks about, <laughs> and it was like news that was super relevant. No one cares anymore. Yeah. Yeah. People always talk about how the world of pickleball moves at a totally different pace than real life just because, like, it's just things are moving <laughs> at such a rapid pace. It's crazy. That's funny. It's the same thing with when I'm doing paddle reviews, even some paddle comes out and everyone's like, oh, we need this information like we are all craving it and then by the time i'm almost wrapping it up or maybe even sometimes in the middle of it another one comes out and everyone shifts and they're like no 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 no, no. we want to know about that one and i'm like guys i'm not even done with the, <laughs> the previous one you wanted to know about us like it's it comes out too quick it's so hard to keep up yeah well uh one more thing i want to bring up before we part ways i know we've been here for quite a while i don't want to take up too much more of your time but i chatted with your good buddy pickleball will recently and uh, we were kind of talking about how there should be a pickleball content creator tournament of some sort at some point to see like who yes. who's the best player in the pickleball content world. I think something like that would be awesome. So, what do you think? Should we make this happen? Should we should we try to make this happen in twenty twenty three? 
it would be the best. There are so many content creators. The only stipulation I gave Will when we talked about this was if there's a pro that's also a content creator, they should be banned <laughs> or I they agree. should yeah. they shouldn't be allowed in because it's, yeah. like, it's it's just a guaranteed uh you, well not maybe not guaranteed but essentially guaranteed win for them. Right. But I think it would be super fun. Actually, today the Dink reposted one of my Instagram reels and they commented something like it was really fun to see how helpless Chris was in this clip. So I commented <laughs> back and I said, "Okay, Thomas." one v one me and let's make a youtube video about it and whoever wins is the best content creator nice <laughs> i like it i'd love to see it happen i think we should have like a doubles division and then for like some of us to have people that we work with regularly and then a singles division to see who like the the best solo content creator is as far as pickleball skill i think we got to make it happen man oh <laughs> uh, it would be so good especially man if we get it to the point where it was like a side event at an APP or something like, you know, kind of like how the PPA has the celebrity pro-am events. It's like, yeah. here's all our content creators in pickleball, like just have a giant head-to-head -head match. It'd be so funny. And then if we each made our own video too, like we each did a vlog video or something or documented it from our perspective, yes. I think that would be, I think that would be so cool. I really think, I think we should make this happen. It kind of, I kind of considered it a joke at first, but I legitimately think this should happen. Now, especially say I love that vlog idea because it's especially leading up to the event. I mean, maybe this is taking it more serious than people would, but <laughs> I just imagine like the training and then like you're making video, but like, okay, I spent an hour today just watching Eddie and Webby play doubles. <laughs> like I'm going to pick on like, this is what I'm going to do when we play them. And then you've obviously got the experience of the event. I just think you'd have so much content from it yeah. that it would be highly entertaining. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I think we need to make this happen. What do you guys think? Give us a comment down below. Should this happen? If so, I feel like we need to come up with like a hashtag, uh, hashtag content creator showdown or something. I don't know. We'll we'll think of something. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> no, it would it would be so good. I'd be I'd totally be on board for that. Maybe we just this year we need to pick a tournament. All the content creators. It's like anybody who's anybody. You're going to this tournament no matter what, and then we're having this event. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. We got to make it happen. It'd be great. <laughs> nice. Well, Chris, this has been a lot of fun getting a chance to hang out with you tonight. Before we part ways, we always like to give our guests a chance to talk to everybody tuning in about whatever they want. It can be how to follow you online, any upcoming projects or events you're excited about, whatever it is, the microphone is yours. Yeah, I don't have too much. I think 2023 is going to be a really exciting year for the Pickleball Studio. I'm basically just going to take as much effort as I can and throw it in this last year I was mixing in, you know, I was still doing a lot of corporate work and regular video production. I think I'm pretty much going to stop all of that and only run the pickleball studio stuff. Even within pickleball, I'm debating, like I've had companies reach out and they're like, Hey, can you make a commercial for us or do some of this work for us? I might even consider slowing that down and only focusing on my brand. Like I would really like to make my website, the go-to place for pickleball reviews like if you if you want to know about this thing here's where you go we've got you covered for everything youtube obviously i'd like to do more paddle reviews and hopefully come out just with more entertaining style videos like i've got lots of ideas that always circulate in my head that could be cool like one idea and maybe someone will steal it now that i'm about <laughs> to say it but i don't care it'd be a good idea someone should do it but like if you took a pro let's just say paris todd or jw and I, if you were lucky enough and could actually do it with them, it'd be amazing. But like, I trained like Paris Todd for a week or something, and you literally were with them doing their training. I think it would be an awesome video. People would totally watch that. So oh, like yeah. That, it would just be really cool. Yeah, for sure. I'm definitely stealing that idea. So everybody stay tuned for the uh, the training with uh, Ben John's video that I produced. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that would be amazing. But yeah, that, I mean, that's pretty much it for me. Next year, I think will be a really big year for the brand. And I mean, I'm looking forward to just super deep diving into pickleball. Nice. I love it. I will definitely be tuning in. I love your content. So anybody that hasn't checked it out already, make sure you check out the Pickleball Studio. It is great stuff. You will not regret it. But this has been awesome, man. Thank you for joining us. And have a great night. Yeah, thanks for having me. Man, that was a lot of fun getting a chance to hang out with Chris tonight. He has a lot of great knowledge and insight when it comes to pickleball and creating content. And it was very cool to hear about his background in film production and the world of speed cubing. I always love it when people that are well-known outside of the world of pickleball 
and then they become obsessed with it just like all of us are, and then that becomes their main passion. And I love the fact that he is now creating a lot of content when it comes to pickleball. And like I said before, if you want some really good, high-quality, top-notch pickleball content, you got to check out his channel, The Pickleball Studio. It is great stuff. But that's going to do it for us here today. If you liked this episode, please let us know by giving us a thumbs up, leaving a comment, and letting us know. And if you haven't done so already, please feel free to subscribe to us on the Eddie and Webby YouTube channel or on your favorite audio podcast source. This is Dinking Around with Eddie and Webby. And something I actually recently learned is a huge majority of people that tune into our content don't subscribe to us. So it really does help us out a lot if you subscribe, if you like our stuff. So feel free to do so. Give us a thumbs up. Leave us a positive review on the audio podcast apps because it really does help us a lot and we truly appreciate the support. But that's going to do it for us here today. And until next time, this is Webby, not Eddie, signing off.